Whatever happened to the good old days? The good old days? What good old days? You know, the days when men actually flirted with you and asked you out for a real date, you know? Where are they hiding? They're not hiding. They are too damn scared of commitment. They're with white women. They're gay. Or married. They ugly. They're behind bars. They got bad credit. Got little dicks and can't fuck. Or they got big ones and still can't fuck. If she was still waiting to exhale, she'd die. It's Elizabeth Gomez. Drug dealers, married men, cheaters, and one guy just waiting for his wife to die of breast cancer. Nothing's depressed our resident singleton more than waiting to exhale's dating options. It's Adrian Gunn. (laughs) (laughs) And this is Wokefield, where two middle-aged comedians realize that when Angela Bassett serves you side eye, you better run. I mean, no kidding. Get out. (laughs) She is out for you. Each week, we watch a classic movie from the 80s and 90s to talk about how having all your best friends be fictional really fucks up your ideas about being a person. Today, we're talking about Waiting to Exhale from 1995, a movie celebrating black female friendships, finding your independence from fuckboys, and learning to stand your ground. It's a star-studded cast of amazing actors. We have Whitney Houston, Angela Bassett, gorgeous, Loretta Devine, love her, Leela Rashan, yes, Gregory Hines. Oh my God, Gregory Hines, Mm -hmm. R.I.P. Um, Dennis Haysbert, Michael Beach, Wendell per- Pierce, a uh, bunk from um, The Wire. Love it. David, David, Donald Faison from Scrubs. Yes. And Wesley Snipes. There's a name I haven't said for quite a while. When he rolled in, I was like, is that Wesley Snipes in that oversized suit? <laughs> and he looked so good. And listen, do not forget, it's directed very lovingly by Forrest Whitaker. Oh my God, how many shots over Whitney Houston's eyebrows can one woman take? <laughs> I think I think lots of shots. Lots of shots it. of that. I loved it. Uh, today, we're thrilled to wel- welcome Karen Hawkins, publisher and editor-in-chief of the Chicago Reader, founder and head rebel in, uh, in charge at Rebel Magazine, Rebellious Magazine, sorry, a podcaster of two podcasts, Of Course I'm Not Okay, and Feminist Erotica. And if that wasn't enough, Karen is also an activist, a Studs Terkel Media Award recipient, and gay as F. I am so excited to talk to Karen, but first, we must recap this movie. Yes. yes. Um, I want to I start by saying, if you've never seen Waiting to Exhale, I want to make sure that you understand very clearly that this is about black female friendships and black culture. Terry McMillan wrote it, Forrest Whitaker directed it, and 70% of the, uh, the crew was black, but it still gets better. Yes. Because it's super 90s. Yes, it's very 90s. I mean, baby face? Yes. Fucking baby face? Yes, please. Yes, he wrote the whole soundtrack. Yes. Um, he wrote them custom to the movie, so he watched the movie, and yes. then he wrote the song. And it's all like smooth R&B vibes. Well, don't you remember that Whitney Houston song, Waiting to Exhale, was big on the radio for a minute in 1995? Shoop, 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 shoop. So good. I think we completely did that uh, very like white 50s style. But you guys know our intention. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) We're just not that cool. But I really also really love the album, which we'll talk about later, because it was the first album uh, for a movie soundtrack that was all black female artists. We've got Tony Braxton, Mm -hmm. TLC, Mary J. Blige. I mean, um, Brandy. 
like, yes, I love Brandy. <laughs> yes. Bring her back. And of course, one of our favorite bands, uh, SWV, yes. who has one of our favorite Survivor contestants. Of course, Taj. Shout out to Taj. Taj, if you're yeah. out there, yeah. we love you. Yes. We love everything you do. Please come back to Survivor. Also, a great fucking season of Survivor. If you have not seen it, Google Survivor Taj. Watch that season. <laughs> it's, it is really good. It's and great. Taj is so sweet. She's fucking everyone's favorite. She's I love adorable. her. I love her. She's fucking adorable. She's like, I just had a baby, so I'm going to be on Survivor. It'll help me lose that baby weight. That's how she rolls in. It's <laughs> fucking great. I was like, that's pretty That's pretty awesome. I would be like, you should take the baby husband. Yes. <laughs> for the next year of its first part of its life. I'm yeah. not going to be here. She's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So it's New Year's Eve. Yes. We're starting off with like a, a DJ mm-hmm. in the background. Oh. <laughs> there are so many tonal choices of this movie that I just have to say. And I did when I Googled it later. It says it's not a romantic comedy. It's a romantic drama. And I will say that Forrest takes that very seriously. And so does Babyface. <laughs> Even when things could be funny, the soundtrack is just like. <laughs> I mean, it's super. It's all like very much like we're going to get down. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to follow a year of these girls life from New Year's Eve to New Year's Eve. Yes. And our four characters. So we start off. It's New Year's Eve. Savannah, who's played by Whitney Houston. Yes. R.I.P. We love Whitney. Love Whitney. Um, she's a TV producer fresh from Phoenix from Denver. Other way. Sorry. She's Denver going to Phoenix. Yes. Yeah, Denver to Phoenix. <laughs> always terrible these recaps it's all right um, and she's on a date and she looks amazing so there's like this voicemail situation where she's calling him he's calling mm-hmm. her at some point they just make voicemail messages to each other to meet up mm-hmm. at what what is that it's not a restaurant it's not a Who bar knows? it's sort of a party i don't know that it matters all i remember of this scene was whitney putting her lipstick on and forrest with the camera panning across her face for at least 30 seconds i was like forrest like <laughs> calm down well and everyone's wearing like all the all the girls are wearing like uh, colored contacts which I thought was really dreamy and then it's like the lights the fairy lights all over the place plus she was sporting one of the best 90s uh, outfits, which is a slip dress. Yes, and she had an updo, yes. which was definitely <laughs> like very 90s, where like it was like a, a twist, but then curly on top. Correct. Yes. And then this hot dude comes up to her, and he's like, Savannah. And she's like, yes. And she holds him and embraces him and loves slow him. Slow dancing. And they're slow dancing, and then all of a sudden, some chick comes up to him, and she's like, well, you didn't dance with me. It was very strange. So I was like, did he have two dates? I didn't really know. There were a lot of moments in this movie where I wasn't entirely sure what to make of it. But I was like, all right, cool. So you know what? The important part is New Year's Eve did not work out for Savannah and Love. And it turns out it's not going to work out for anyone. Because yeah. the next person that we see is Bernie, who's Bernie. Angela Bassett. And Bernie is oh, the shit. That is so the person beautiful. that you're watching this movie for. Oh. I love Whitney. She's the main character. Is and she? Yeah, well, actually, Angela Bassett was asked to play Savannah originally. Yeah, yeah. and She was like, this is going to be way more fun. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I don't even need to make out with Dennis Hasbert. Right. I'd rather light some shit on fire. <laughs> She's so amazing. Yeah. So uh, Angela is, uh, or um, Bernie so is at. beautiful. Yes. She's at her mirror, just being beautiful. How does she look the same this year that she did in 1995? All it's, I have to say, she starts out with long hair, and she's brushing it, and she's beautiful. And then they chop her hair off into a tiny pixie, and she's even more beautiful. <laughs> Who can do this with their face? No one can fucking do this. Angela Bassett, if you're hearing our little <sighs> podcast, we love you. Okay, so she is uh, brushing her hair, getting yes. ready for a night out with her very rich husband. They're yes. very, very rich. That's all we know. We don't know what anyone does. We just know. Beautiful house in the yes. And um, the scene guts me every time I see it. She's brushing her hair and her husband's like, hey, do you want to get out of this this evening that we're doing yeah. together? And she's like, oh, I would be crushed in a very ironic yeah, she's way. she's sarcastic. Yeah. And then he's like, yeah, well, I said that uh, 
you don't have to go, but I'm still going. Yeah, because he's going with, because this other woman doesn't want to be alone tonight. (laughs) And why should she have to be? That's the question he wants to know. And then, then, then Bernie turns around and she's like, you and that white woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a lot. It's great. Yeah. It's great. And she basically is like, gets mad. They have a big fight. They get, they, this is yeah. the, the premise of her story. Then we yeah. go to Gloria, who's a single mom raising Tariq. Fucking love Gloria. <laughs> Tariq is Donald Faison. He's really in his clueless moment. You know, like that's the vibe. <laughs> But Gloria is just the fucking best. I've seen her in other things. I'm not exactly sure what, but just like her entire vibe, I was just so here for. Yeah, and Gloria is like waiting around because uh, it's New Year's Eve, and her uh, ex husband is coming back to see Tariq. And yeah, Tariq is gone. He's like, I've you know basically like, yeah. fuck my dad. I don't yeah. give a shit. But he Gloria's trying to get laid. She's like, yeah, fuck your dad. <laughs> like, get him over here. Let's let's make it happen. And then her, her dad, the dad shows up, and she's just like ready to seduce him with some yeah, like yeah. cheese platter or yeah, whatever yeah. there is that they're eating. <laughs> cheese platter works for me. That's all <laughs> it's, I it's need. All you need. Yeah. Um, and then he's basically like Gloria, you know, I didn't tell you this, but I was bi- I was bisexual. Yeah. But now I'm full on gay. Full gay. So I'm not sleeping with you. Which you also know because he had two earrings in one ear. <laughs> That's that was the way that you should that was, have known as soon 90s, as he walked yeah, in, right. and he had a tiny mustache and a, like a supercilious look. Yes, so like you knew, gay. And like, he also had like <laughs> again very nineties, like uh, very stylish nineties uh, look. Is like an oversized suit, so he's wearing this like huge suit that's like covering those up his suit whole body. jackets that went to people's knees. Amazing. And then we have Robin, who is gorgeous. I'm also mm. like, is she in the age range of these people? It's it's a little unclear. I'm like, she looks to be at least 10 years younger than everyone, but fine. But she's beautiful. And, and they know it. They put her in tiny bras. They put her <laughs> in tiny little lingerie, the whole movie. And she's just sort of like trying to get laid. And she starts in my very favorite scene yes. where she is like pity fucking a dude. <laughs> I mean, she basically, calls, yeah. She does. She call him like a submarine sandwich or something. Yeah, she's like basically, he's way big. Yeah, and I hope he never touches me. And then she yeah. continues to let him touch her. Yeah, she's kind of like maybe it'll work out, you know. And I'm like, girl, who has not been here? Where like you know, then they're on top of you, and you're just like, God, fuck. Like, and then it's you know, over in ten seconds, right? And he's like, he's like, say my name. I mean, he's having a whole journey. Yeah, and then that Forrest she is Whitt- not having. Forrest Whitaker is like directing it right in front of like Wendell Pierce's face again. Bunk from the wire, which I yeah. just think. The visuals yes. is funny um but like he's like sweating like these drops of sweat it's disgusting <laughs> it's and she's so beautiful and then it ends again there were so many moments that i had questions about you know <laughs> but i was just like all right terry mcmillan's doing her thing you know in the book it all makes sense for sure but like after they fuck this terrible sex he's like up on his his you know elbow and he's like what can I do for you? Yes. And she's like, well, I want to get married. I want to have a baby. I want to go out to eat. <laughs> she's like, I want to go on vacation. He's like, I'm going to do all that for you. And then we n- never even see them break up. We don't have no idea. We have no idea that they, well, because they're in the boardroom uh, situation yeah. and she's she had, she's presenting and he says something about her work not being right. And she's right. basically like, bye. Yes. Yeah. So they work together. But anyway, that's a great, I would say the two most memorable scenes are obviously when Bernie, well, we're going to get to it, but yeah. she lights the car on fire. And then this other scene with the terrible sex. Yes. And yeah. so basically, we're going to go through this with uh, the four characters, and we're going to start with Robin. Robin's storyline. I mean, this movie is not really that deep. <laughs> like, honestly, it's like a super simple storyline. I'm going to tell Forrest Whitaker you said that because no one is trying harder to make this movie deep than Forrest Whitaker and his bro baby face. <laughs> 
they are like, you will not laugh at anything here, even if it's funny. <laughs> like, well, Babyface baby is just like, oh, this scene where they're hanging out in the park, this is a scene where they get down. Yeah. Like, they like definitely yeah. like have yeah. a sexy time. So the point um, is, is we're going to follow these four gals as they're all sort of searching for love and their besties. Yes. So Robin basically dates and like sleeps with a ton of trash men. But yes. The, her big guy, the guy that she's really in love with, is a guy named Russell. Yes. Russell is married and she wants him to get like out of this marriage and he's like I'm gonna I'm gonna divorce her don't worry about it baby don't worry about yeah. it and then she's like please divorce her why won't you divorce her and he's like fuck it I'm not gonna divorce her well he's also like abusive he's like don't tell you your friends a call at this time and he's just yeah. being like awful I'm like girl look at your body look at your <laughs> face get the fuck out of here you're the most beautiful woman in Phoenix yes like- <laughs> and so her whole story is all about dating these trash men and then at one point she's sitting down with Savannah and Savannah is in a similar situation where yes. she's dating a married man yes and everybody's married and robin like disguises like she gives like a asking for a friend moment yeah yeah where she's just like oh, i knew a woman who was married to like, dating a married man he never left his wife and then the woman became pregnant yeah. and then had to have an abortion yeah what yes scandalous yes <laughs> and, and savannah what a dummy like doesn't get it right she's like wait who <laughs> who was this she's like you saw it on oprah or sally yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> So terrible. But then so uh, then Robin eventually is like wakes up and she's just like, no, I'm not going to keep dating this guy, Russell. But turns out I'm pregnant with his baby. I'm going to continue with the baby. Then we have Gloria. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Then we have Gloria, <laughs> who I fucking love. Yes. I mean, she's the salon owner. She's the single parent. Then this dude moves in across the street and she finds out he's a widower. And Gregory he, Hines. And she's immediately in love Mom. with him <laughs> while he does the very least. <laughs> You know what I mean? And this is like, to to me, this is the beacon of hope that this movie provides about relationships between men and women. They're yes. like, this guy, you can make him, you can remember how he likes his sandwich. You can do all this shit. He'll do the very least and maybe you'll end up happy. He's always just fixing things around her house. We don't ever well, know I why. I like, like that. <laughs> I do like that. Yeah, she, he's like fixing, even when they break up. So they break up at some point. Because, I didn't even understand why they broke up. Because he gave her some advice about having her son go off to this place in Spain and but she they, wanted like, him to stay with her but they weren't together it was all very weird i think they were together like no, they it was were not. it was coming together yeah she liked him but yeah. she he, she yeah and then she's like don't get into my business about raising my child which you know you and i as single parents have had you know that's a thing that you kind of feel is like ah uh, you know here's your boundary and then yeah. she shows up at his door one day he's fixing a chair <laughs> At his own house. And then he's like, I love you. And she's like, I love you too. And then they make out. So that's the end of their story. You know what? They were the happiest story. And I again, he did the least. You know what I mean? But yeah, then he's, he's just like turning screws on chairs. Then we have Whitney Houston, whose mother is very determined that Whitney Houston is going to get married. And she's trying to facilitate a relationship between Whitney Houston and Dennis Haysbert from... 24. Yes. I loved him as the president he's of 24. So now he's on what? I mean, he's on insurance commercials. Can we, can we, the whole cast is stunningly hot. 100% true. All the time. You're just like, yeah. why are these people so good looking all Yes. every angle every second of the movie yes. but yeah. Whitney's mom doesn't seem to question the fact that she wants Whitney to get married to Dennis Haysbert but he's already married but <laughs> she's just like gonna make it anyway so he rolls into Phoenix he's you know a businessman and he's like I love my daughter that's why I'm married but I'm a fuck you you know whatever but then eventually Whitney finds her power yes she's because like, she has that conversation with Robin yes and then she calls her mom's like why would she break up with Dennis and she's like mom 
I am so happy about my life. Yes. I like being a single woman. This is like a very like empowering yes. moment, right? She's like, I like being a single woman. I have a great career. I have great friends. And you're really jealous about it. Like, Fuck you, mom. Yeah. And then well, she hangs up on her mom. multiple times that like every woman needs a man. I think this is an interesting thing for us to talk about. This is definitely something that we could talk about with my mother, who didn't think that I would ever get married. Yeah. I, I texted you <laughs> at I some point. Twice. <laughs> I, I texted you at some point in this movie, and I was like, if they all end up happy at the end of this, I'm going to like lose my mind. Because yeah, like, romantically, you all said that. the options are just like all these terrible fucking men over and over again. I mean, I'm so excited. But anyway, then we have to talk about the, the, the best real one, main the character. Best one. Yes. Angela sure. Bassett as Bernie. So her husband's like, Peace, I'm out. What does she do? She's basically like, oh, you're going to go out? Like, let me show you how. <laughs> so yes. She's like, she goes through his closet, yes. takes all the shit out of his closet. And I love the first line because she's basically like, who is so anal? Like, while she's looking at his closet and she's like, only serial killers. Yeah. <laughs> and then she grabs all his shit. Had his shit hung up. Yes. She grabs all his shit, throws it into the kid's like toy wagon, pulls the wagon throughout the whole house, goes yeah. down to the garage. Puts all the shit in the car, in the car, drives the car out into the driveway. Yeah, it's like a BMW. <laughs> yes, it's a then, nice car. And just like sets the oil, like starts putting gas lighter fluid on yeah. it, and sets the bitch on fire. Yes, smokes a cigarette, yes. walks away. I was like, is this car going to explode? Do not stand so close to this fucking car, <laughs> Angela. Who's smoking the cigarette? But and then the police show up and they're like, are you aware your car's on fire? And she's like, yes. And they're like, you're only allowed to burn trash. She's like, it, it is, is trash. trash. Yes. I was like, like yeah. okay, bitch, yes, <laughs> do it. So then she rolls into maybe the most important or like just like, wow, m- moment of the movie. She rolls into her husband's boardroom and this, <laughs> this white woman stands up. Everybody else is black. This white woman stands up and I think she's like, can I help you? And Angela Bassett just fucking slugs her. Yes. It's amazing. She's basically like, get out of my life, bitch. Yeah, but the best part is, is this chick just walks off scene. No one reacts (laughs) to the fact that this happened. She just walks off. Well, and then at that point, I think this is one of the, another scene that always like gets my heart because you know I'm very sensitive when it comes to like divorced parents. And she she like tells John, who's her husband, like you need to pay me the money that I'm owed. I've been yes. in this marriage with you for over a decade. Yes. We have raised this family yeah. together. We've raised this house. They I'm have not going to little kids. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to settle for three hundred grand and like walk yeah. out of here. Yes. You need to take care of your business. And as she's having this fight with them. The security guard who knows Bernie yeah. comes in and he's like, sir, do you want me to do anything with this woman? And she's just like, are you going to put me out? Oh, yeah, it was nice. And I was like, oh, God, yeah. you know, yeah. like people having to choose sides. Yes. And like, and she's just, I mean, her acting in that scene is so great because you're just like, she's, she's, she clearly is saying to him, we've known each other. Yeah. We've been together. Yes, and like, this man had... is being trash. Right? Yes. <laughs> and you're going to really come in here and try to take me out of my own company? She literally, I kept waiting for her to say RuPaul's, like, I own 51% of this company. <laughs> like, I kept waiting. <laughs> I was like, maybe that comes from this movie. It did not. But I kept waiting because she was like, I built this company. I did it. <laughs> yes. And I love it. And then so Bernie, basically, her whole storyline is that she is, like, suffering from this divorce. She doesn't want to get divorced. She feels yeah. very insulted because he's dating this white chick. And yes. she's like, what the fuck, you know? You know, like this is not right you're making me send my two kids she improvised by the way the whole scene when she's in the closet and one of the lines that she has in there that I also found very interesting was she's like I helped build you build this whole company from the ground up with you and then she's like 
and then you made me send my two black kids yeah, yeah, to this yeah. all white school yeah, yeah. and I was not having it. Yeah. You know, and she's like, I've done all these things for you. So anyways, she ends up suing her husband. Yes. And in the meantime, while she's kind of going through the agony of divorce and like the feeling of defeat, um, she meets. Let me tell this part. Yes. <laughs> because this part makes me wild the way that it was shot everything about it so she's at a bar sexy she she is at a bar she's having a scotch and soda she's just like shit sucks i'm pissed i'm having a drink the bar is fucking empty wesley snipes rolls in in a giant suit sits down right next to her okay so he's clearly trying to pick her up right so they're having a drink and next thing you know he's like well i'm married you know, and then they go up to her room and he's like, well, you know, my wife has breast cancer. She's actively dying. My white wife. My white wife has breast cancer. She's actively dying. I love her so much. I would never leave her. But let's make tonight a night to remember. <laughs> what? What? What the fuck? And so then they just lay on the bed and hold each other. And then later he writes her a letter. And I think we're supposed to interpret this entire thing as like hopeful. Yes. Like Bernie's future is like hopeful. And I'm like, bitch, if I am dying of breast cancer and you have gone and picked up this beautiful woman. I mean, you're going to like fuck her. Like you are not like but but in this movie it's like wesley slipes he's fucking great like he's doing he's awesome like great well and what's funny is that even the letter that he writes her because so, so now we assume that they've not had sex yes. and he's trying to do the honorable thing yes. and he's watching his wife and he's taking yeah. care of his wife and then he but he's also like i you know i'm spending every day watching my wife die and thinking of you and i was like this, this is- shit is so fucking twisted yes. and it's literally and i was watching and i was like this is why i'm fucked about men and relationships because this is the shit that was served to us as like i mean let's just bring in karen yes because I, we, say, let's, we karen need karen to help here. us with this part <laughs> <laughs> so karen what were your first thoughts about seeing because you saw the film before oh also audience uh adrian had never seen the no, film no this before, was my so first this, time yeah i mean i knew it of course because yes. i was you know i was 15 in 95 so i don't know why i missed seeing <laughs> seeing it in the theater but like I knew of it of course yeah but Karen you have seen it before and now you've seen it with a different perspective let's hear what you have to say y'all <laughs> I'm really happy to be here but this was really fucking painful yeah <laughs> it was brutal which part specifically I mean kind of <laughs> how long do we have so I'll just put this into context. I saw this movie for the first time, probably in the theater, probably multiple times. Yeah. I was in college yeah. and thought I was straight. Yeah. Right. And so <laughs> watching it as a college, as a black college lady yes. at U of I, surrounded by white people, like watching this movie, it was both revolutionary. Yeah. And I feel like even though I identified as a feminist at the time, None of the anti-woman, none of the terrible misogynistic shit of this movie struck me until I watched it again now. And I'm like, oh no. This was female empowerment in the 90s. These gorgeous women fucking these trash men. Oh no. Oh no. I mean, it's wild. The movie's statement on like what women should expect from men is just mind-blowing. Well, I'd, I'd like to ask you, Karen, And let's talk about when you first saw it, because what I keep thinking about is like the one thing I really loved about this movie and Adrian have discussed this about films um, in this time period is that there weren't a lot of brown people films. And this is supposed to be presented as like 
a film where it's like black people are just like you, which I think is like so annoying in in the way that they do it. Um, but I also am like, we needed that then. We need we didn't there was there was not um, there were not a lot of representation of successful brown people, and so it was great. And I remember it being revolutionary also because it's like one of the very few films that presented black folks as like wanting to be in love being front like women being friends you know mm-hmm. like being like and they were that's the one thing i think the film really lacks is like we don't really get to dig into the friendship of these, yeah. these women and they are so incredible like you but you get the idea right we all get the idea that they're like very cool i would have liked to see a lot more of the focus on that but talk to us about why you thought it was revolutionary in 1995 well so i look back at Exactly like you're saying, I looked back at, okay, well, when did The Best Man come out? When did Love and Basketball Mm -hmm. come out? When did Love Jones come out? And it was all after After, yeah, Mm -hmm. right? And so you're right. This was the first time we're seeing black love, black relationships, professional Mm -hmm. black people. Yes. What? Yeah. You're a corporate lawyer or a civil rights attorney, Wesley Snipes, with your bad oversized suit? Yes. What? Like, you know... They're film producers, they own companies, they own salons, right? Mm-hmm. They're successful women. So it really was this like absolutely mind-blowingly revolutionary act to have this movie. And I mean, the other thing I will say, it was revolutionary to have black skin lit so beautifully. Yes. Right? Oh my God, yes. They all look, I mean, they're all luminous. Yes. I mean, especially Angela Bassett, but yes. like they all look amazing, right? Like. It takes a lot of effort yeah. in Hollywood to light black skin well and to make us mm-hmm. look good. So even that was like a big deal. And about the female friendships, I I didn't do it, but I like I did Google the Bechdel test. I was like, would this pass? I don't think so. Yeah. Oh, really? Tell, tell us more. Because it's I think it's three things. It's like more than two women. Check. Fine. Who talks to each other? Check. Fine. About something other than men. Yeah. No. It's like all they talk oh, about when they're together. Right, yeah. All they yeah. talk about. Yeah. They don't yeah. even talk about Tariq's like future. Well, and I would say, <laughs> I think that there is definitely like a tension. You can tell that the, it's coming from a novel because there's stuff that clearly should have been streamlined or dropped or like, you know, and Terry McMillan worked on the screenplay. No shade to Terry McMillan. Love her. I'm just saying, I think the novel probably has way more depth in the sense of the friendships. Yeah. Right. But they really are trying to cram and it's similar with Joy Luck Club, right? Like, so if you're reading a book and it has all these different storylines, there's a lot more space. But in a movie, it it starts to just feel compressed in weird ways. What do you think so far as like, um, so what I was I was saying that one of the things that I find really extremely, um, I guess the thing that set my brain on fire when I saw the movie is basically Angela Bassett having so much anger. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never seen that kind of anger in media um, about women in general. One of the things that I keep thinking about, I was, I, I was when I was writing the script, I kept thinking about like this idea of female rage, right? Because I definitely in that time was very mad. <laughs> like, all yeah. the time. All the time. <laughs> I had nothing but rage. And um, the, the examples of rage that I've ever had was always about things like, um, uh, like the white woman's oppression, kind of rage on media you know like a woman's a white woman's husband's cheating on her and so she's just still making she's still making soup on the stove you know mm-hmm. and then my experience with my mother who's korean is that you you hold it and you kind of just become more you come smaller you know mm-hmm. so if you're angry and you're pissed you just have to hold it in and then just like make it tinier in the w- world of relationships and at the time a lot of the depiction about black like black folks having rage was like they would use words like hostile which is disgusting you know but Angela Bassett in this film I was so I remember just being like 
oh my God, this is exactly how we all should do it. <laughs> like, like, we should shut your shit on fire for being an asshole and like pick, picking like the worst, like fuck you. And so I wonder for you, when you saw that on screen, how did it make you feel? What did you think about that? I mean, I fucking loved it. Of course, <laughs> I loved it. I loved every second of that. Oh my God, when she sets that on fire, I also love the idea she is never punished for any of this behavior. Yes. I love that too. <laughs> yes. The firefighter, the police come. Yeah. Ma'am, you can only burn trash. They don't arrest her. They don't no. write her a ticket. She slams the door in his face and he's gone. Yeah. She slugs the white woman, doesn't get taken yes. out by security. Don't nobody call the cops, no. right? Like she just goes on about her life. And I mean, like you're saying about other examples, like, like media depictions of black women's rage immediately what comes to mind for me is Oprah mm -hmm. in the color purple. Mm -hmm. All she did was say one sassy line to somebody. She spent the rest of her life in prison. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. just was punished her whole life. Her whole life was ruined for it. So I, I also love like the depiction of her rage, how beautiful and angry she is. And that like she is rewarded in the end, right? Like she wins. She gets all she this gets money. Wesley snipes. Right? <laughs> she, gets, well, she also gets a house in right. Acapulco. <laughs> Yes, yes. Yes. I yes. died. Yes. Yeah. And I think that that scene, I I love that you said that she's like, I mean, because she is like, she's this professional. So she's, and she's like angry. And then even the whole burning the car scene, which is like a popular mean even today, um, is how, I mean, she's just gorgeous. She doesn't look like she's broken. You know, oh, yeah, she's wearing a beautiful bra yes. <laughs> and like a white robe. Yes. Yeah, she totally. is serving yeah. look the whole time. And, and to me, when I saw that version of anger, it was a lot about like, this is controlled. This looks crazy, but it's actually about like a very methodical type of anger. And um, I found it, I found it like, um, I was so, I found it so like I was celebratory. I wanted, to, I wanted to be like, this is just, what? <laughs> this is amazing. Um, so I don't know. Like, I also think that I, I as a child, wasn't. My, my youngest daughter and I have been talking, or my youngest kid and I have been talking about this a lot lately, is like when you're allowed to present your anger, you know? And I feel like it's hard because as women, and I think especially as women of color, that it is really difficult to be angry without being like stereotyped for it or being told that you're doing it wrong. So do you, do you have any thoughts on that? I have so many thoughts on this. Oh my goodness. Let's and go, Karen. <laughs> I mean, so my other podcast, of course, I'm not okay. We've done three episodes about anger and rage. And one of the things for me is that like, I just generally try to be a chill person for a lot of different reasons. Like, I don't know if it's AA that has this thing, like being angry at somebody is like eating poison and waiting mm -hmm. for the other person to die. Like anger is doing you no favors. But also I realize, like as a black woman out in the world, I can't get mad. I can't get angry. I can't display rage or like even justifiable anger about somebody. People are going to call the police on me. My name is Karen and other Karens are going to call the cops <laughs> on me. I am very aware of this. So like I just try to stay calm and I feel like I've had experiences at work where it was like something super shitty would happen or somebody was super shitty or disrespectful to me and I reacted with anger or annoyance or just expressed that like that was not okay and was always punished for it mm -hmm. yeah right and so yeah i am very aware of being a woman of color and anger not being an emotion that like i am allowed to display really anywhere and yeah. just fighting against that i think that's really i mean honestly that, that hurts me so much because i think that's like not really it's like it's 
you know, I hate to be like, it's not fair, but it isn't fair. It's like, it's wild because it is a normal, normal human reaction to have anger. And in my house, you know, my mom generally did not display a lot of anger because it was just like, you know, again, she's Korean. So a lot of her feelings were like tucked deep, 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 deep down inside. But I do think that this is why one of the reasons that this movie meant so much to me, because I was like, this woman has every right to be pissed and her experience is real. And like, this is amazing to see this on screen. I don't think that I've ever seen anything like that afterwards. Mm. Do you guys think it- of women being angry? Well, specifically black women mm-hmm. in a very like purposeful manner right. that way. I mean, I think like women, I think what we grew up with, right, this whole time is men doing whatever and like everybody having to deal with what they did. And then you're supposed to deal with it chilly. you're not supposed to get angry or do anything or you're just like that's the way that it is right so she's a total revolutionary with being like you know fuck off that's not the way it is and it's not how I'm going to be chill about it do you um do you express a lot of anger I feel like you you're not somebody who gets angry very never I'm always pissed (laughs) I think I could benefit from being angry more I think I withdraw I'm just like no I'm not going to engage in that but like by doing that then you're just like shutting down how you actually feel about something but i think women are overall told not you're supposed to go along with things and make things better for other people well that's why we're it's like me too having happening and it's like kind of it's new um edition of it i guess i would call it mm-hmm. you know it's it's very surprising for a lot of men because they're just like wait a minute you're getting mad at me now yeah i mean i also think that this is also helping changing like changing the idea of what anger looks like for women in the media do you want to talk about that a little bit since you're in media like do you see that landscape changing at all unfortunately not in a way that will make us any safer or more respected right like i mean the difference between what you see in social media and what you see on the oscars all the women wearing the me too buttons or the time's up buttons and like are they actually getting more opportunities are they making money more money is it safer for them like i don't i don't think that those two things match and I think the other thing I was thinking as you guys were talking is like, there's also no apologies in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like Bernie yes. never apologizes mm-hmm. for this shit she's done. I mean, she doesn't get any apologies from this motherfucker either, but <laughs> she doesn't have to apologize. And I feel like that is huge. Like I just, it struck me when the Allstate guy, um, <laughs> Dennis Haysburg, <laughs> yeah, fucking love him. He's got I, that I, deep I love voice. him too. Oh my he's God, so he's so hot. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like when Savannah finally is just like, mm, I was never in danger of you leaving your wife. Yeah. Yes, that line was so good. It's so good. And he says, listen, I'm not mad. What do you mean you're not mad? Like women are, ex- yeah. like not only are we not allowed to express anything, but when we do, we have to apologize for it. Like, I'm really sorry I got upset that you cheated on me. Yeah. Right? What? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, okay. I definitely think that's true. And I think that... Um, I love that idea that they're like so not apologetic. And I love the last scene where they're like on the beach and they're like, we're having a girls night, yeah. you know? Um, but I do, I do think that uh, all these dudes are such shits all the time. So if, when we talk about that, like uh, in the world of like, you know, you're a lesbian, let's talk a little bit about uh, fuck boys slash fuck girls. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that, is, that, what, is that how you refer to the fuckery of, of dumb assholes? <laughs> Oh, the fuckery. Mm. I mean, I, I'm i just getting out of, I haven't told you this yet, Elizabeth. Oh, and hi, mom. I'm just getting out of a nine-year relationship. And so, I know. What? So What? I know. And so, I, I am now, like, emerging into this. I know I was engaged even. 
And so we're going to be fine. This is going to be fine. But I, I mean, so I'm emerging into this world of like, oh, no, this, this is what you guys are doing today. Oh, God. Please help me. I gotta like, say, this was not the movie to watch to feel hopeful about your dating future <laughs> because it really, as a 42-year-old single person, made me feel very depressed because I was like, this was even before apps. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, I thought it was really so. When I was watching this movie again, I was like, "Wow, I probably shouldn't have booked Karen for this one because this movie's real straight. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's it's ridiculously like straight." Um, what did when you watched it as a, as a younger person and watching it as an like now as an older adult? Did you did you find that to be like? What did you think about that so far as like reflecting back on the representation you had in the past? Oh, I mean. I mean, but if we were going to watch a 90s or even 2000s movie with black lesbians in them, what, are we going to watch Set It Off? Set It Off? Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I was trying to figure out, I was like, was Set It Off before Waiting to Exhale? But Set It Off is a year after Waiting to Exhale. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I was like, that was the other movie I thought of was like uh, Black Female Friendships. And I was like, well, they're also all bank robbers and gangsters. Like, this is not great. <laughs> okay, so, you know... I know we talked about this before before I came on, before we hit record, like one of the things I'm working through in therapy is this like scarcity mentality yeah. about finding someone. Like, first of all, like, is it even important to find someone? Like I have a full, I'm a whole ass person outside of my relationship. And like the, the scene that y'all read, like black girls are raised with this scarcity mentality about relationships. Like, well, a shitty man's better than no man. Really? Mm-hmm. Or like, oh, you're not going to find anybody because there's so many of us who are so much better than them. And so I feel like just trying to work through that has been hard. But yeah, no, black lesbian representation in media. Now we have it. But at that time, like 80s, 90s, early 2000s, forget about it. Well, I think that the movie makes a very big message about like how white women are taking the black men. Yes. And that was that was like repeated over and over and over through the film, which I thought was super interesting. Um, does that hit for you at all? Or, I mean, my partner was white. I've dated. I mean, I'm not gonna. Karen, you are the problem. <laughs> well, this whole scarcity conversation, I think, is it really hits home for me. Like as I've said, I'm about to be 42, and I feel like, like Elizabeth and I've talked about this a lot. Like I do not feel that I have rejected amazing dating options you know what I mean like I don't think that men have showed up and I've been like I'm too closed off you know (laughs) like oh I can't I can't possibly figure out how to commit to you like no it's like it's just the options have been bad or they haven't been up to I think like what my own emotional level is and my own professional level and my own like kind of where my life is at. And so this movie really made me stop and be like, what are we supposed to understand about relationships at the end of it? And maybe that's too much pressure for this movie specifically, <laughs> but it really, I was like, I don't, It's it does not give a lot of hope that like you it also doesn't give a lot of hope that like the single life is going to be amazing like savannah sort of has a moment of empowerment right and then robin is going to raise this baby on her own but there's somehow that like it doesn't make the full arc where you're like these bitches are going to be okay yeah you know what i mean like it's not the full like thing like i'm still worried about everyone i'm like if bernie ends up with fucking wesley snipes after his wife dies, like, what in the world? <laughs> I mean, what do you think it's trying to say about relationships? I mean, I do think it is 
that scarcity mentality. Yeah. And and I feel like there is also this danger of like, yes, you're reflecting real life, but then you're also perpetuating that mm-hmm. for the next generation of people, right? Yeah, like yeah. people watching this who haven't experienced that, it's like, a, here's what you're set up for. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't say many hopeful things about relationships. It also doesn't portray anyone particularly well. Right. Like nobody really comes off all that well right. in this movie and I wish they did. And there's no mutuality to it. There's yeah. no, like, also when I think about it, I think about like, you know, I was like this burgeoning feminist at the time and I was having this feminist awakening. The the boys around me weren't. And right. I think it's the same thing's exactly. happening now, right? Like yeah, yeah. we we as grown ass women have had this reckoning with our role in the world and what mm-hmm. we're willing to put up with and all of these things. And it's not like men are like, I really need to step up. No. Like, no. I would love to know, if you don't mind me asking, sure. what your therapist says about the scarcity mentality. Like, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> I I, no, I mean, I'm I like, I would like this advice because <laughs> I'll bring it back to Pam, my therapist. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love And that. then I'll bring it to my therapist yeah. to be like, my two friends. <laughs> yeah. <just> yeah. <laughs> she was trying to encourage me to not, to like be open-minded about even looking like not looking to date yeah relationship just ended but like i have this idea like oh my god there's nobody out there i do desperately don't want to go on these apps oh no Mm. she was just like really pushing against that and challenging that like you don't really know we've been in a pancake for two years like just like try to try to keep an open mind try to stay open try to be open and i'm I'm trying to get there, but it's rough. That's kind of what my therapist says, too. Yeah. She's, like, always working on me about, like, you know, having more hope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Pam, you know, we have a lot of information, and then we have hope. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a little tough. But, I mean, I don't know. You're fucking gorgeous and smart and, like, running the reader. If somebody's not trying to snap you up. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Well, thank you for saying I that. I mean, it's true. You know, you guys You guys also hit on the idea of, like, being um, burgeoning feminist at that time um there is very i think and i think this film does reflect this i mean this film is super 90s and i love it the, i mean just telling you like the outfits the like people the, the t- conversations they have everything the music but i also wanted to say that while it tries to hit a feminist note i think in the 90s it did hit 90s feminism right because 90s feminism was basically like that whole conversation of like i'm not like other girls you know, <laughs> which now we've changed that narrative. But you, do you remember that? Like, oh, yeah. You know, I'm just like, I don't hang out with other girls. Yeah. The I'm one like, of the boys. I ha- I'm more oh. of a boys girl. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And so um, as we've all, th- I mean, I would like to know the thoughts of all of us is like, how do you see that now as older women looking back and knowing that you've had those conversations, knowing you witnessed those conversations and being influenced by films such as Waiting Jack Sale? I mean, we're all scarred. It's fine. <laughs> yes. I mean, I I like was a capital F feminist in college. Like I lived in the women's dorm for three years, which no one did. Like if you got assigned <laughs> LAR, no one stayed there for three years. Everyone was like, I had to do this shit for a year and then like ran screaming. This is committed. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Right. So I have a different perspective on this And at this point, you were dating men. You were like, I'm going to live in the feminist dorm. I'm going to live in the female dorm. I'm going to lead the, oh my God, what were we called? Women of Empowerment and Vision, Weave. I'm going to (laughs) lead Weave. Fuck yes. We put out like uh, literary magazines. Yes. Yes. And I was like half-ass dating boy. Like I, I was, but I wasn't. Like, I'll just say this. 
no one I came out to after college was surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I got nary a, really? No. <laughs> They're like, we remember Weave. <laughs> Remember that one time when you stayed in the women's dorm <laughs> for three years and were an RA the last year? No, Karen, we know. <laughs> so I, I feel like it. What's like it's more striking for me is like at this age, we had this period where feminism became this thing again, and all those girls, all of the like, I don't like hanging out with girls. Girls are so petty. I just like hanging out with dudes like that. All of those girls suddenly became feminists, mm-hmm. but were really bad at it because they yeah. hate women. Yes. yes. So like that has been more striking for me now than. Or I think not even, I think that those kind of girls wanted to attach themselves to some level of power. You know what I mean? Because the men had all the power. And if you were like, well, I'm more of a, you know, I'm into the boys. I'm a boys girl and can like hang with the boys. Like you're, you see yourself as a person that is above all the women doing women things. I have always, I mean, I, I, I think I was that girl, actually. I think I was in the 90s. I was definitely, like, trying not to be, like, a girl. Yeah. Like, I didn't want, I believed in the power of women strongly, strongly. But I think to your point, um, that's not where I saw power lying. Right. The, the power was always in men. And, like, I think part of that might be because when I was growing up as a girl, um, my mother what seemed very conflicted and like not able to move forward where she didn't think that men had all the power. Yeah. And I fought that immediately. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, my abuela gave us um, Mickey Mouse watches. One was red and one was blue. And my brother got the blue one after I specifically asked for the red one. And my mom being like, no, blue is for boys. And like devastated over that. Then like later on in life, my mother was like, um, do you want to play a musical instrument? And I was like, I want to play guitar. And she's like, no, guitar is for boys. Piano is for girls. And so that message was like driven into my head over and over again. And I spent a lot of time being like, why, why do they get everything? Also, mom, no man has ever helped you out in your entire fucking life. <laughs> like, like, here we are. You're working seven days a week because your ex-husband will not pay child support. Like, who is helping you that is yeah. male? The person who's writing your checks is me. The person who's, like, helping you when your car is messed up is me. The person running all your... It's like, I don't understand why these men have so much power when, especially in Waiting to Exhale, men ain't shit. <laughs> well, and I think that's what's... Rage. I think that's what's most interesting about this movie, though, because it's like it presents that facts, those sort of facts, but it doesn't entirely, like, thematically draw the lines for you, right? They're like, these men are not great... Uh, maybe the women will be okay by themselves. Mm, you know, it doesn't fully commit. But to Karen's earlier point about like whether or not you need to be partnered with someone, I would say a lot of the media that I consume even now, right now, Love is Blind. Please <laughs> text me about it, everyone. Are you watching it, Karen? No. But Love is Blind, just like that. Wow, text me about that too. But like in all those, like partners... I think like the messaging is still really the same. Like what shows do we have of like where women are, you know, leading their lives solo and they're happy and it's okay. I mean, there's still a lot of like, you know, you got to partner up and that's how you'll be safe. And I do feel as I'm getting older, there's, you know, I've been having a little bit of a struggle where I'm like, oh my God, if my body breaks down, who will take care of me? Like. <laughs> But I mean, there's no guarantee that you hook up with someone and they do a good job taking care of you either. So <laughs> I don't know. Do you think you have to be with someone? I don't anymore. I mean, I'm definitely worried about, let's talk about it. I'm thinking about starting a retirement commune. Oh, I love it. Get into <laughs> it. I love it. But 
there's also like there's this I, I lost my thought there's like this whole like you have to be in a couple thing um that a shitty partner is better than no partner at all yeah which is terrible i think a lot of women live that way mm-hmm. i agree oh it's gonna come back to me well you were t- you were talking about um whether or not you think relationships are a, a must-have where i mean i i'll, I'll just keep talking until your thought comes yes up. okay good <laughs> Women I, helping women. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was I, I was not somebody who thought that I would ever have a relationship because it was also something that I was told probably would never happen because I was so wild. But um, I ended up in two relationships and one was very shitty. My second one has worked out a little bit better. Um, <laughs> Karen's but, his boss. Right? Maybe she'll tell us things about him. <laughs> but um, the, the thing that I always, and I've always been around a lot of like single women because I also feel like, I mean, in the world of women helping women, I, I'm like always open, like come to my house, hang out with me, be part of our relationship, be part of our family, you know? Um, and the, the the comments have been a lot about like the, the fear of being alone and like whether or not there is worth in you because you don't have a partner. And it's hard to break away from that because even the most feminist feminists that I know still can't quite... Um, resolve the conflict right Mm -hmm. like even though intellectually you believe that you don't need a partner there's something that just like is so inbred into us like so because even even for me when I got married the second time I was I remember it took us seven years to get engaged but during that time I remember being like why do I feel the need to marry this person we live in the same house you know, we well, are tell together. her about how you needed this engagement ring, girl. Oh, yeah, that really hurt my feelings. Yeah, <laughs> she lost her engagement ring. On my honeymoon. Yeah. But, on my honeymoon. But she tell her how you needed a new one this year. Yeah, so I was like, my I lost it. We, Mike and I will have been married 10 years this year. Aww. So um, 10 years ago, I lost my, my engagement ring, which Mike, by the way, I don't know if I've ever told you the story, but he like sold all of his records and his books and like saved all this money and like worked really hard to get this wedding, this like engagement ring for me. We got engaged and then I didn't get my ring until like months and months and months later. Mm. And then um, once that happened, we go to like our, our honeymoon and then I lose the friggin' ring and that oh, was funny awful um and then I never got one again and then like I'm not really like the basic like that stuff normally like I think most people who meet me would be like Elizabeth definitely does not give a shit about a wife I will say as Elizabeth's best friend she comes out sometimes with the weirdest shit and you're like (laughs) that's the thing that that is the like societal thing that you're attached to but I'm gonna take over the story she's really talking so like last year all of a sudden she got in her head that she needed a new engagement ring that's been forever yeah but no I have known you for years last year was the year that you were like this ring is coming like she was like I have to have this engagement ring and now but why did you have to have it because I felt like oh my god I'm gonna cry if I say this just say it <laughs> say it's, it it's right so, it's really painful but it's like because then it showed me that I had some value yeah to someone you know? yeah oh god oh my god <laughs> yeah but th- I think that I the point that. is is like that's how deep these messages are yes. because you are not a diamond girl no. you could give a fuck <laughs> this bitch started a roller derby like she is not trying to like have the traditional shit but in terms of love you wanted it you wore a white dress at your wedding yeah. and you like wanted and again that's not a judgmental like yeah. I think women you know are trained that those are the things that they should want and you know you definitely wanted your engagement ring last year and Mike shout out you stepped <laughs> up you did the thing you took care of it and we appreciate you but did you come up with your thought I did oh good I did thank you for riffing and 
Honey, I feel you. I'm so glad you got it. I will also say, so my other podcast host, her her hormones changed after 40, and she became like deathly allergic to her engagement ring. She can't wear it. I listened to that episode. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, Katie can't wear this. It's like this is poison yeah, like, yeah. thing. So I feel you. I will also say, like, I proposed to my now former partner, and she didn't get me. A, I got her a ring, and yeah. she didn't get me one for months, and I was like so mad about it. Aww. Right? So I feel you on the ring. I'm glad you got one. Like, it's also beautiful, and it's a token of love, and all the things. I feel yeah. you. My thought was that this whole marriage thing, this whole partnered thing, specifically around marriage, it is a losing institution. 50% of marriages fail. Yes. Like, so why why do we, we attach all of this meaning to it when really like, and even depending on how old you are, it's even higher. Yeah. Like the, I remember I had this cluster of friends who got married in their late 20s and I was like, you know the divorce rate for men under 27 is 75%, right? <laughs> No, I'm a really good time at your shower, but I just want you to get out now. Oh, like, girl, really? All of them are divorced now. Yeah. Every, I mean, I had like the same little dress I wore at all of these weddings, <laughs> my same little 90s updo, my same like soft glam makeup, and they're all divorced. And so I feel like I'm not saying companionship and com- like connection are important. Like, we're pack animals, it's yeah. important to us, but I feel like assigning all of this meaning to like this one glowing, shiny person, I think is some bullshit. So, yeah. why did you, you want to get married? <laughs> <laughs> Karen's like, is this show over? I know. Oh, it's time. Oh, I feel like the next podcast is waiting for this room. You can tap out on that question if you want. No, you know, so it was eight years ago. Like, so we were together nine years. The first year I Wait, was Wait, you've like, been you engaged this whole time. We were engaged for eight years okay. and never got married, okay. right? So I feel like at the time, it felt really important to me, like the idea of a family, of like chosen family. Like yeah, as yeah, a queer yeah. person, right? Cho- chosen family is very important. And I like love my own biological family, but like also it, there was like something very attractive about building this family with somebody. So that was what it was about for me. Did it, yeah. fe- did it feel like it kind of would legitimize the family that you have to be married right because you could have like lived with this person or had built a life with this person without getting married so there's something about the marriage element yeah i mean we didn't ultimately ultimately we didn't do it correct but i think at the time (laughs) (laughs) i would have loved it if you were just like i came to my senses What about you, Adrian? Like, why why do you find it important? What getting married to get not to get married, but to have like a, a lifetime partner? Oh God! I mean, <laughs> to be honest, I I don't have a lot of hope for a romantic partner life for me. I mean, to be honest, as a forty two year old woman, I think the only thing that makes sense is dating women. Like, I I mean Ooh, that I'm going to stop you right. Well. <laughs> Because I don't know. I'm like the men. It's like you were saying earlier. Like, have they like risen up to like meet us at this level? No, they definitely have not. And I come from a marriage where the information I got when I left was like being partnered can make your life so much worse. So there's a vibe that I have where I'm like, well, my house is peaceful. I love going to my apartment like it's peaceful it's you know harmonious like I have my little animals there I have shit set up the way I like so there's definitely something that feels like well 
it would have to be a really great person to like disturb my peace because and, and they really don't roll in with all this great shit that you're like yes let's blow up everything i have risk you taking half of my 401k to get married you know what i mean like i, I your husband makes you food he's a nice man like that's not really what i've experienced <laughs> And I really, like like I said, Pam wants me to have a hopeful outlook and be, like, open. And I don't know. I'll hear myself say stuff on this podcast, and I'm like, you're clearly not open. <laughs> Karen, do you think this... <laughs> Do you think this movie would have looked differently if it was like all lesbians, like a whole lesbian storyline instead of a straight storyline? Oh God, waiting to exhale. Yeah. <gasps> Y'all, are we making this happen? Please. Yes. Can we please? Okay, Let's we're going to write it. it. We'll rewrite it. Yes, we'll do a table read. This will be amazing. Lesbian waiting to exhale. Uh, Mid-90s. I don't even know. I mean, I wasn't out yet. And my, yeah. my idea of what gay culture was like at the time was like C Street, the bar in Champaign, Illinois. So... <laughs> What was the name of the bar that you and the Delta Zetas used to hang out at? Which one? Club Amnesia? <laughs> is that the one you're you're referring oh, to? Oh no. That was in DeKalb, Illinois. <laughs> oh man, this has been so fun. We're gonna we're gonna start wrapping it up. So like I don't want my last to. I know I this is really so great. Karen, can we be besties? <laughs> yes, no, Adrian, we already are. I was gonna say, like, you're also a gorgeous woman, and oh, it well, makes me you. so angry that like there are not all of these men who are like, I'm <laughs> gonna be not. a better person so that I can be worthy of you. Like we're uh and yeah there's not <laughs> i uh before before we start doing our little wrap-up stuff i do have a, a quick thing that i wanted to mention because we talked about the soundtrack and listen i watched the movie and then i was like you know what i need to listen to some tony braxton yes. to get really into the mood love tony braxton <laughs> yes but that was a very certain type of sound yes. right her and brandy and um even like one of my favorite Mary J-, J. Blige songs is um, Not Gonna Cry. But I never realized that it was actually made for this movie because the beginning of the song is like, 11 years, da-da, which is exactly Angela Bassett's whole oh, thing. Oh, shit. Yes. And um, shout out to Mary J. If you're around in Chicago anytime. We saw you on the Super Bowl. You were so fucking great. <laughs> Those boots, lady. Um, oh. Anyways, uh, so it made me think about like how much one – that that music really reflected that period of time in my life and how much I love the music. I thought Babyface did a great job. He like custom wrote every single song after watching the movie. And Whitney was supposed to do the whole uh, soundtrack, but she was like, no, I don't want to do the whole soundtrack, but also. Let's elevate some voices. <laughs> right? She's like, but also I approve I'll have to approve everyone who's on it. Mm-hmm. So it makes me think about like soundtracks and like life and like what would be if you had three songs to pick? Oh, Jesus. For the soundtrack of your life, what three songs would you pick? Oh, damn. On the spot, you do it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run with it. And I'm just listening right, later. Yeah, just, it's, it. like right. imp- it's like an improv exercise. Okay. Uh, Golden by Jill Scott. Oh, yes. Also very 90s. Yes. Um, something by Emily King. Oh, I'm obsessed with this. So Emily King is this like R&B singer I'm legit obsessed with. And she has this song called By You, I Mean Me. And she like lists all of these like amazing things that the partner does. Yeah. And then she says, by you, I mean me. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That would be on there. Ooh. Um, uh, probably something like, I don't know, some cheesy 90s like trip hop. <laughs> I don't it's okay. You can come back with a question. Like if you if it pops up by by, by the time we're wrapping up, you can bring it up again. Ooh, what did I listen to last night? Oh, you know what? The live version of Tyrone. 
Yes, that, that is a good it. one. That yeah, is a good one. Be it. What about you, Adrian? Girl, this is a terrible question to ask me. You know, I'm going to be like something by Hall and Oates. <laughs> you know, private like, eyes. Yeah, maybe some Phil Collins in there. What about Jimmy Buffett? No, I am too old for that now. Well, but you do maybe have, in you my do have youth. two parrot tattoos. All right, all right. Don't shame me in front of Karen with that oh. sort of information. Oh. Only tell her about my cool tattoos. <laughs> I would definitely, I, the other day I was driving to the city and I was like, oh man, I think if Adrian asked me to go to a Jimmy Buffett concert, I'd go with her. Fuck yeah. You can well, live in his retirement fun. communities. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. for a long time I was like, there's no effing way that I would ever do that. And then I was like. You love to white, watch white people in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> you would be like, look at these white people. A real quick, I did go to a Jimmy Buffett concert once with my ex-husband and he went and stood in line for these beers forever. I mean, it took fucking forever. It was like at Tinley Park or something. And he came back with these like $40 beers and this giant beach ball came and fucking hit him in the head and he dropped the beers. And it's literally the only positive memory I have of this man. Anyway, do you uh, want to do your songs? We gotta yeah, wrap it my, up. my songs would probably be uh, something by Tribe Called Quest. Love mm-hmm. it. Definitely mm-hmm. from uh, the Low End Theory album, right? That yes. would be like perfect. I would definitely have an Al, um, an Al Green song. Love and Happiness Ooh. is like my favorite Al Green song. I did just see you really getting into Elvis yesterday. <laughs> oh. You're, yeah, you were, a very, surprised. You were very surprised. And I think my, my last song would probably be something by Dolly Parton, but I'm not sure yet. Which one no, it would I be. love that. I have a weird mix of music that I really like. Oh, real quickly before we go, because we're going to wrap up now. Okay. But um, one thing I was going to mention how <laughs> about that scene when Robin is talking to Savannah and Robin's talking about her trash boyfriend who does drugs? And Whitney is like, he's a crackhead. Do you think that he would tell tell you that he is a crackhead? And I was like, oh no. <laughs> she OD'd while filming this movie. Yes. <sighs> so she has that line. He's not going to say, I'm a crackhead. And I was like, Whitney, you a crackhead. <laughs> Oh, our girl. Our oh, I girl, love her Whitney. so bad. All right. So final thoughts. Would you recommend this film to anybody? Um, do you feel do you feel moved by any of their spirits? I feel like if you are looking. Ooh, OK, if you are looking, maybe doing some excavation of why you see the world the way you see the world. I would say watch this movie. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I love that, too. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to recommend the book. I haven't read it, but I feel solid about Terry McMillan overall. Any interaction I've had with her, I enjoy. So I'm going to go ahead and say, let's read the book. Yeah. I would definitely say uh, you should watch just the scene of Angela Bassett's, like her whole like closet to uh, car burning yeah. scene. Well, and, and also slugging the chick. Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> that that yeah. uh, resonates to me. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Karen, for being on the show. Uh, we love can, you. Can you tell us okay. where uh, our audience could find you? Ooh, you can, of course, find me at chicagoreader.com, at rebelliousmagazine.com, notokaypod.com. <laughs> oh, and blackkarenhawkins.com. Yeah, you need oh, to Rebellious that. Magazine. I, did I oh, say did Rebellious? You? I said Rebellious Magazine. She did. Reader, Rebellious, Not Okay Pod. I have a blog I don't update very much called Black Karen Hawkins. So I love places. that name. <laughs> <laughs> she also on her website has like a, if you if you if you're not looking for the black Karen hit this button right <laughs> where does it take you to the white Karen Hawkins <laughs> oh I should add that yes. no she's a romance novelist y'all she exists yes. KarenHawkins.com is a white romance novelist. you gotta you gotta put that on there <gasps> that so good that's okay. a great edit the yeah. other uh the other Elizabeth Gomez in Chicago is an older bodybuilder lady <gasps> so if you put Elizabeth Gomez Chicago in, it's gonna be me or this like 
big like wow. buff old lady yeah it's awesome i love that yeah <laughs> all right well thank you guys for listening to wokefield next week we're covering dirty dancing oh, God. where we'll have the time of our life with miss delia crop delia is a transgender actress activist and public speaker she starred in her first feature film landlocked and we cannot wait to ask her if it's time to put this movie in the corner i cannot lose Dirty Dancing. You have you, you keep losing all so sorts of films. Much for me. She, when we were making our list, she was like, "Let's do your favorite movie." When Harry met Sally, I was like, "I will not risk it. I will not risk it. I am risking Dirty Dancing for you, our listeners. Please pay me back by following us on Instagram at Wokefield Pod. Tell us if you know Angela Bassett's secrets because this bitch looks great. She looks so good. She Give me great. that friggin' moisturizer, whatever she's doing. Us. And hey, you know, rate and review us. Tell us, tell your, tell your friends, because you know, we are middle-aged women erased by society, and we need your accolades. <laughs> Lift middle-aged women's voices. Yes. <laughs> I'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>